scripture reading picks up where Phil left off with Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. It's also at page 518 of the Old Testament section of your pew Bibles. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A colleague once told me he hoped to write a book someday called It Isn't in the Bible. It would cover those quotations and words of wisdom that people believe are in Scripture, but they aren't. Like, God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible. To thine own self be true. That's Shakespeare, not the Bible. This too shall pass. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Neither of those is in the Bible. I've heard people assure someone going through a really tough time. When God closes a door, God opens a window. I think that's from The Sound of Music. (laughs) Or, everything happens for a reason. Not in the Bible. And then there's, God will never give you more than you can handle. It isn't in the Bible. And unfortunately, it isn't true. The words from this morning's passage in Isaiah were spoken at a time when the people of Israel have more than they can handle. They even wonder whether God has abandoned them. God promised to give them a homeland, but now they find themselves in exile. God promised to protect them from their enemies, and instead they've been conquered and captured by the overwhelmingly powerful Babylonian Empire. What happened to the covenant? Why should they believe that Yahweh is more powerful than the Babylonians' gods? So much for being God's chosen people. The people are weary and exhausted. Their trust in God's faithfulness is stretched to the breaking point. Maybe you can relate to this profound abandonment that the people Israel experienced. Maybe you've been through something you could call exile, just for a moment, or maybe it was for a while, or maybe even a long while. A time where the plot lines that you'd imagined for your life have gone awry. 
when life is interrupted by a dreadful turn of events, or when things just haven't worked out the way you'd hoped. Maybe exile is this moment in your life. As your pastors, we witness some of these exile moments in your lives. An exile moment might be the time when a mental or physical illness wreaks havoc in a family. An exile moment can be a marriage at a crossroads. An exile moment can be that interminable waiting for a diagnosis, for test results, for surgery day, the challenges of aging and failing health, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job. In those moments, we too cry out, like the Israelite exiles, why have you abandoned me, God? Isaiah responds by asking, Who are you to question God? You have the perspective of a grasshopper. Now, my first thought is, ouch. But stepping back, and that is hard, very hard in those exile moments, stepping back, I remember that there are billions of galaxies beyond our own. It's not that I'm inconsequential. It's that there's so much I don't understand and can't comprehend. We measure God's actions against our actions, or at least what we think our actions would be if we had the power to make things happen or stop things from happening. I'd sort everything out just perfectly, right? People would have all the money they needed. There would be an end to all strife and disease, and death would be banished from the earth. Do we not all wonder from time to time, from funeral to funeral, from war to war, why God doesn't fire up that omnipotence and straighten things out? Isaiah doesn't deny that the people are weary. He argues that their weariness does not deny God. Their God, our God, is the God who created everything, absolutely everything, and is still creating And that means something new and different can happen. And that means there is hope. God is creating us and this world in ways that we cannot comprehend or foresee. We are not abandoned. We are in process. And when we're in the middle, we can't see the end. Well, it's nice to have perspective, I guess. But perspective alone is cold comfort. Isaiah goes on, however, to offer more than perspective. God, says Isaiah, gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This points to two things. This God who knows all and creates all also loves all. And somehow that gives us power and strength to endure. There's a story that's been passed down from West Africa to the North Atlantic, passed from father to son and mother to daughter somewhere along the palmetto dunes of South Carolina. 
It takes place in St. John's Island, just off the coast of South Carolina, as Africans, forced from the land of their ancestors to work as slaves, are toiling in the hot sun. They're picking cotton, and it's hard work. There's a young woman, and beside her is her small son, maybe six or seven. She's working in the fields, and she has such incredible dexterity that she's able to pick cotton with her right hand and caress the forehead of her child with her left. But eventually, it is too much. Exhausted, she falls down from the weight and the pressure of being, in the words of W.E.B. Du Bois, problem and property. Her son quickly attempts to wake her, knowing that if the slave drivers were to see her, the punishment would be swift and hard. He tries to shake his mother, and as he does, an old man comes over to him an old man that the Africans call preacher and prophet, but the slave owners, slave drivers, call old devil. The boy looks up at the old man and says, Is it time? Is it time? The old man smiles and looks at the boy and says, Yes. And he bends down and whispers into the ear of the woman who is now on the ground and whispers a word in her language. The woman gets up with incredible dignity. She stands as a queen and looks down on her son, grasps his hand, and begins to look toward heaven. All of a sudden, they begin to fly. The slave drivers rush over to the place where she stopped working, and they see this act of human flight, and they're utterly mystified. They don't know what to do. And during their confusion... The old man rushes around to the other Africans and begins to yell the West African word. When they hear the word, they all begin to fly. Can you imagine this? The dispossessed flying. The diseased. The dislocated. The disempowered flying. They are all taking flight. And at that moment, the slave drivers grab the old man and they beat him saying, bring them back. Bruised and bloodied, he smiles and says, I can't. They say, why not? He says, because the word is already in them. And since the word is already in them, it cannot be taken from them. The word that the old man spoke was a word that means God. There are times in most people's lives when we hit the limits of our endurance. God, or life, has given us too much, more than we can handle. Times when a door has closed and there isn't a window in sight. Times when it seems that hope and all else has abandoned us. But God has not. God can and does give the power and the strength to carry on. Sometimes it's hard to remember that or feel that in any concrete way. And so it is the job of the gathered community, the church, to speak the word that offers hope, the word that means God. Having faith does not mean never having doubts, never having questions, 
The church is or should be the place to bring doubts and questions and even anger and even a sense of abandonment. And then the church can offer its collective memory and its collective experience that God is with us, that God has been our help in ages past and is our hope for years to come. We do that in many ways. We do it through the deacons who offer very concrete signs of God's presence. They take meals to families when someone is ill. They give people rides. They offer hospitality to the grieving. They take flowers and a word of cheer to people who are homebound or in the hospital. They even help people make their rent or pay an electric bill or buy books for college. These are simple but profoundly hopeful actions that speak the word that is God. We also do it through the prayer shawls, as I told the children this morning. We also speak that word through our ministries to those who are homeless, to those whose homes were destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, to youth who are feeling disaffected and disconnected, to those who are hungry in Marin County and the world and so many other of our ministries. And it is no small thing not to be minimized that we also speak that word that means God through the web of friendships that develop over a lifetime of connection to a congregation. I cannot tell you how many times someone has said to me, I don't know how people make it through hard times if they aren't part of a church. The church's task is to speak the word that means God, the word revealed in Jesus that God's will for us, all of us, for every human being, is health and wholeness and healing and life. The word that nothing, nothing in life or even in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And these words can lift people and carry people. They can help them find their way to their feet and even eventually to fly. May it be so for us. Amen.